This show is made possible by members and donors at bestoftheleft.com and also by gotomeeting.com, green technology helping reduce the need for business travel. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Daily Show, The Young Turks, The Show, and The Rachel Maddow Show with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users from The Colbert Report. ago, a New York community board approved plans to build Park 51. It was a Muslim community center in Lower Manhattan. A year ago, local Jewish and Christian community leaders endorsed the project. It even got the approval of a, a national religious sect. I can't find many people who are, really have a problem with it. Bloomberg is for it. you got rabbis in New York saying they don't have a problem with it. I like what you're trying to do in Ms. Khan. We appreciate it. Oh, Fox News. <laughs> That was December, whether it was the Christmas spirit or seasonal affective disorder, no one seemed to get too worked up. But the discussion soon became not about their right to build a place of worship, but about where they were building it. I'm all in favor for the freedom of religion and freedom of speech, but I also think that uh, you have to be sensitive to the victims. This is about sensitivity. I'm quite happy if they'd come in and said we want to build a community center near Central Park. In Central Park? All over Central Park? We love mosques. We are, we are mosqueteers, if you will. We, we barbecue on weekends using mosquite. It, we love it. It's an argument about being sensitive to the location's meaning for so... Really? You enjoy that? I, I forget these pop up occasionally. It's an argument about being sensitive to the location's meaning for so many who lost so much there. And it's a fair question for the mosque's opponents to raise. But that argument took a subtle turn. Uh, see if you can catch it. The issue here is not religious freedom and it is not people worshiping God through the Islamic religion. That's wonderful. But, but, but Islam is but, a but, lie from the pit of hell. Women are stoned to death. The infidel must be converted or killed. Imam Ralph, he is no friend to America. He supports Sharia. Refused to condemn uh, Hamas. The imam behind the mosque may accept money from Iran or Saudi Arabia. We're establishing literally a command center for terrorism <laughs> right at the 9-11 site. I'm for freedom of religion. I'm just saying this religion is dominated by women stoning suicide bombers. That's all. <laughs> by the way, those clips were just from the past 24 hours. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, uh, just for the record, I'm against establishing a terrorist command post at 9-11 Ground Zero, or really anywhere in the city. <laughs> Here's the part of the, uh, uh, let me just explain this. Here's the part of the argument I get. I was on my way to, to the World Trade Center on 9-11 when I watched the second plane fly into the building. I was there. I had a safety deposit box in, the, in a chase bank underneath. This is box. it. This what? is the actual box. They found it two years later. What did you have I just in want there? to show you. There was some cash in there, but I, let me, if, I, if I can, let me just show you some of these. I mean, it's crazy. These are dollar it's, bills. It's just charred. Those are two coins that melted together. I mean, it's just, you want to know why I have passion for this thing? This is why. I get it. <laughs> You feel very strongly about uh, the event in that area. You lost friends and, and a certain amount of cash and coins. But <laughs> even though many innocent Muslims also died in the towers and the Pentagon, and the Pentagon has a mosque in it with no problems, you feel there should not be a mosque down there. At least symbolically, it doesn't sit well with you. And I can accept that. I can accept that argument. I can respect that argument. 
here's where you lose me. We're following the money trail. Where is this money coming from? Unfortunately, with this guy, Imam Rauf, he's not a great, he's not a good guy. He's being portrayed as, uh, you know, a, a moderate Muslim. This guy has questionable ties. I mean, there, there's questions whether he has ties to Perdana, which was the group that sent that flotilla towards Israel. Remember that whole co conflict on the water? Uh, he may have ties. Perdana and Muslim Brotherhood are handshake apart. And here's the one that we should all really worry about. Where's Iran in this? Perdana, uh, Iran have been uh, t loosely tied to Ra Imam Rauf also. Do I want a mosque that may be, that may be a, a meeting place for some of the scariest minds, some of the, the, some of the biggest terrorist minds? Yeah, the next Hamburg the cell could be I, right downtown. No, <laughs> Or uptown. <laughs> or midtown. Definitely not the village. I mean, the rent's there. But the very fact that the Trade Center bombing could have been hatched from Hamburg means they don't have to be next to it when they plan. And may have ties to people who might have bad ideas that may end up getting money from relatives of people who might have, for some reason, safety deposit boxes filled with money. It's a dangerous game of guilt by association. You could play with almost anybody. All you need is a card and a highlighter. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's, uh, what is that game called? It's, it's six degrees of people who don't eat bacon. You, you, let me do it for you. Uh, okay, okay, here, let's try this. Here's Rupert Murdoch. He owns Fox News. Uh, now, he definitely has ties to Prince Al-Walid bin Talal. Al-Walid bin Talal owns the second largest share of News Corp outside of the Murdoch family. He owns 7%, $2.5 billion. Now, they say he's a liberal Muslim, but he is in the Saudi royal family, which may have ties to funding the Wahhabist mosques, the same particular brand of Islam practiced by some of the terrorists. And he may have business dealings with the Carlyle Group, whose clients include Bin Laden family, one of whose sons, now obviously I'm not going to say which son, one of whose sons may be anti-American. I'm just, I'm just connecting this. I'm just reading off a highlighted card. By the way, after 9-11, after 9-11, Mayor Rudy Giuliani would not, after 9-11, Rudy Giuliani would not accept $10 million from this same Prince Al-Walid because he had cited Mideast policy as one of the reasons that we were attacked, which is the same reason they said that the Imam down at the Ground Zero Mosque was a radical. So I think that really when you look at this card and you do highlight it in yellow, the only thing you can come up with is, is Fox News a terrorist command center? I don't know. I just don't know. I'm just saying that you can draw this up. So, uh, so clearly I'm being very fair. This, this, this whole thing has gotten crazy. In our panic, we've lost sight of something very important. If only someone could step up and cut through all this political posturing and fear-mongering and remind us what America is all about. Tragedy has been and will always be with us. Somewhere right now, evil people are planning evil things. All of us will do everything meaningful, everything we can do to prevent it. But each horrible act can't become an axe for opportunists 
to cleave the very bill of rights that binds us. Thank you, Charlton Heston. <laughs> of course, he was speaking out after another tragedy, when people on the left had demanded that the NRA, out of respect to the recent victims of Columbine, not hold their scheduled NRA convention in Denver near the site of the tragedy. And by the way, I'm sure I probably would have been one of those people. <laughs> Painting too narrow a picture, connecting irresponsibly the actions of two psychotics to an entire group of reasonable people expressing their constitutional rights. I was angry and, and very thin. And, <laughs> and my hair was dark and I could not apparently buy a suit that fit. Why, why? Did I have to wear Kilbourne suits? Why? I don't understand. The point is, I was wrong and Heston was right. And if you replace NRA with Muslim community and Second Amendment with First Amendment, he's still right. America must stop this predictable pattern of reaction. When an isolated, terrible event occurs, our phones ring, demanding that the NRA explain the inexplicable. Why us? Because their story needs a villain. That is not our role in American society, and we will not be forced to play it. If you disagree, that's your right. I respect that. But we will not relinquish it, or be silenced about it, or be told, do not come here, you are unwelcome in your own land. Well said, sir, and it gives me hope, because if there's anyone who can bring Muslims, Christians, and Jews together, it's Moses. If you're like most Americans, then fighting traffic across town or flying across the country for business meetings is one of your favorite pastimes. Unfortunately, the same way sweets are making us fat, some of our favorite pastimes, like business travel, are killing the planet. And that's why my liberal guilt leads me to advocate for GoToMeeting. With GoToMeeting, you can meet with clients or coworkers online while sharing exactly what's on your screen, so it's just like meeting in person, minus the jet lag and exploded dinosaur remains. Listeners of this show can try out an unlimited number of meetings for 45 days by visiting gotomeeting.com and using the promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, promo code PODCAST, for a special free 45-day trial. But I begin tonight with the GOP's old, hate-baiting, scaremongering Southern strategy making a comeback. But this time, the right is going ballistic about the Islamic Center near Ground Zero in order to gin up fears about American Muslims, starting with this guy. But wait, President Obama's not a Muslim. Look, I want to be clear on this because everybody excuse me getting this wrong. President Obama is a Christian. Apparently that's not working because that's news to nearly one quarter of America. A new time poll shows 24% think the president is a Muslim. That's mental. A Pew poll finds that 31% of Republicans believe he's a Muslim. That's more than the amount of Republicans who think he's a Christian. Which, by the way, is the correct answer. And even 10% of Democrats believe these nonsense rumors. This forces Obama supporters, including his spokesperson today, to say, he's not Muslim! Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but why is this idea even out there? How did he get into the bloodstream of the American population? Imam Hussein Obama. Mm, mm, mm. I want to be fair too. 
he probably is the best anti-American president the country's ever had. Imam Hussein Obama. So they set up the idea that he might be Muslim without explicitly saying it, although that was really close. Kind of like when Bush kept using Iraq and 9-11 in the same sentence. How did people get misled? He doesn't know. But what's the purpose behind all this? Look, this is a free country. What would it matter if you were a Muslim? Well, let's find out. On the 10th anniversary of after you've killed 3,000 people, you're going to now build your mosque? On there, really? So according to Beck, Muslims, all Muslims, are responsible for the 9-11 terror attacks. And if Barack Hussein Obama is a Muslim, well then I guess he must be guilty. I want to remind everybody again, not a Muslim, a Christian. This mosque controversy is just a convenient way to carpet bomb the news cycle by screaming, Muslims, mosque, and boo, terror attacks. From now all the way until November, they're going to keep on going with this. And let's be clear, the outrage over the Muslim Community Center in Lower Manhattan isn't about location. There's already a mosque three blocks away. And it isn't about Muslim radicals. The imam running this cultural center was used by the FBI and Bush administration as the model of a moderate Muslim. The outrage is about stirring up fear and hate against a minority group and exploiting that prejudice for political gain in an election year. And if, and if the Republicans can tap into that vein of fear and loathing that drives their base, they figure it can only help them in the polls. Look, that's what they do. We've seen this strategy before. The right told you that Obama wanted to kill your grandma last summer. Now they're trying to paint him as a Muslim and hence a radical. Maybe kind of like a neo-Nazi or a skinhead. The vast majority of the American people believe there is a freedom of religion in, in, that is ingrained in, in our Constitution, and that, that, that right of freedom ex, free expression of religion would be best exercised by not building it here. Look, we've got a free, in that same First Amendment, there's a right of freedom of speech. Who believes that, say, skinheads should show up at a black sorority convention and, 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 and scream bigoted remarks? Who believes there's a right of freedom of assembly? Who believes that, you know, neo-Nazis should show up at the B'nai B'rith Hotel and have their meeting in the same, you know, in the next meeting room. There are rights that everyone has that we believe it would be prudent not to exercise them at certain times. So here we go again. The whole Muslim community is like neo-Nazis. Where have we seen this movie before? All oh, right, on Fox News Channel. Any chance they're driving this story as propaganda for their own political purposes? But look at what else Rove said. He thinks Muslims should not exercise their First Amendment right to worship because it might offend someone. I wonder if Rove would apply that logic to other rights, like maybe giving up your Second Amendment rights to make your neighbor feel more comfortable. Or Fox News giving up their First Amendment rights if what they say offends someone. Are they going to do that? Of course not. And that's the point. The conservatives don't really have an argument here. This is what they do. Led by Fox News, they try to scare you and divide us. Someone has to put an end to this vicious cycle. And that's how we wind up here, with 70% of Americans thinking that a building in Muslim Community Center and a former discount department store is an insult to the people who died on 9-11. And nearly a quarter of the country thinking President Obama is a Muslim. If we keep going with this cycle and pretending that this is a real issue, then we all wind up helping them in their political hatchet job. When the rest of the media follows stories ginned up by Fox to smear their political opponents, we all wind up working for Fox News. And no one wants that. Think again, it's not too wise.
With swollen ankles, black and blue My wheels and rocks that stop me true And to think my name's tattooed on your thigh From CPR, Continental Public Radio, this is CPR's weekly dose of one-on-one conversation. Welcome to Mouth to Mouth. I'm Ira Zipkin in Washington. Each week we talk to a newsmaker in a no-holds-barred, non-confrontational setting. It's mouth-to-mouth. We're used to sermons from our clergy people, homilies and adjurations, even warnings of hellfire and brimstone. But this week has seen a new trend in ecclesiastical proclamation, what might be described as the holy threat. While Pastor Terry Jones in Gainesville, Florida, has received the lion's share of the attention so far for his threat to burn 200 copies of the Koran. Another evangelical preacher is apparently going through with his threat, and he's here to talk about it with us today. From the Lamb's Blood Spiritual Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the Reverend John Cleese joins us today, mouth to mouth. Hello, Ira. It's a blessing to be here with you. (laughs) I hope you feel that way at the end of the interview. I'm sure I will. The Lord will see to that. Pastor Cleese, we've violated our own internal policy against having a guest on more than one of our CPR shows because your threat seems to raise such crucial questions for the CPR audience. What is it you're going to do first thing tomorrow morning? Well, as I do every day, I'm going to have a glass of pureed potato juice with a spray. I I meant after your breakfast. Well, Ira, myself, along with the 25 congregants of the Lamb's Blood Center, we're going to Burn a hundred copies of the Oxford English Dictionary. Burn them right up in the sight of the Lord, and at least to where they tell us so far, CNN and Fox 2. And why burn the dictionary? I mean, compared with the holy scriptures of a religion, a dictionary seems rather controversial. Well, you sound like the people I run into all the time, Ira. People who haven't sat down and read this uh, this thing, this, this poisonous book, which to this very day sits in the libraries and schoolhouses all over this great country, just seeping evil word by word into the minds of our young people. Well, I mean, no, I haven't sat down and read it at one sitting, of course. Well, I have, and it's shocking. But it is, after all, just a, a dictionary, just a, a compendium of the words actually in our language. It's it's not as if they made these words up, is it? I don't know how Mrs. Oxford and English go about their work, Ira. Frankly, I don't care. Do they sit around and make these words up and then just make up fancy explanations for how they thought of them? Or do they waste money digging through old books to find these words that can harm, that can offend, that can wound so many, you know? We're just going to burn them and let the Lord sort it all out. All I know is if these so-called words are not fit to be heard on evening television... They're not fit to be in a book. Well, Pastor Cleese, what kinds of words do you find offensive enough to justify burning these dictionaries? 
Well, how does steatopigia strike you? Would you like to explain that to your 10-year-old? You want your teenage daughter talking about borborygmus with her friends at the church social? Coprophilia, is that something that should even be talked about between the covers of a book? Would you be proud to put your name on a book that contains such words? I know I wouldn't. Matter of fact, just to be on the safe side, I'm proud to have my name on the cover of no books. But there are only a few words. These dictionaries contain maybe hundreds of thousands of words. Mm-hmm. And if we tore out just the offending pages, you know sure as the sun rises in the sky that the liberals and the Muslims would run all over the place accusing us of censorship. And maybe you don't remember being a teenager, Ira, but I do. You're lost, and you're awash in your own devilish juices, and you think it's cool to sit down with a dictionary and look up all the spatial words that your friends have told you about. Well, Well, sir, that stops in Murfreesboro, Tennessee tomorrow. The devil is going to see that at least 25 souls are ready to stand up and say, Sorry, Satan, your plans are gasoline-soaked and flame-broiled. Mr. Cleese, have you heard from any officials about your plan? Has it occurred to you that this action might just subject the United States, if not to terrorism, at the very least to withering ridicule from the international community? (laughs) Mr. Zipkin, you haven't heard my sermons if you think I'm afraid of a little ridicule. And yes, I've gotten phone calls from the Secretary of of Education. And what what did he say to you? Well, I don't really, really remember. I just told him I was praying for him, and uh, he pretty much lost interest at that point. And uh, and then some environmentalists uh, asked if we could recycle the books instead, and I asked them, did the Lord send Moses a recycled bush? And that was the end of that. Finally, Pastor Cleese, it, it strikes some people a bit strange that both you and Reverend Terry Jones have names reminiscent of members of a rather famous comedy group. Has that, has that occurred to you? If the Lord leads our parents to name us in a particular way that makes it easier for his message to get attention in a sinful world, then that's just another one of his many blessings. That was something that a female colleague of mine in Murfreesboro over at Flaming Torch, Pastor Tody Fields, told me. Flaming Torch, is that another congregation? No, sir, it's a steakhouse. Pastor John Cleese, thank you for being with us today on Mouth to Mouth, and uh, I guess don't stand too close tomorrow. No, sir, I won't. Thank you. I guess tonight, the mayor of the great city of New York, please welcome back to the program, Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Nice to see you. And you. Thank you for having me. We're honored. As a matter of fact, you know, I don't, I don't get a lot of uh, sitting dignitaries. If you don't mind, I just wanted to get a, a, just a quick autograph, if you could. Just uh, right on the line there would be great. I really appreciate that. That's terrific. That's terrific. That'll be great. Don't worry about putting my name on it. 
John reveals the paper to be an all-access New York City parking pass. Thank you. Right. You see what? You want to look at? It? You see what name I put on it? What'd you put on there? John Stewart. <laughs> Bloomberg. <laughs> Thought I had you on that. <laughs> Damn it! What else did you want? Nothing. <laughs> I want to wade in. Let's wade in immediately on what is obviously an emotional, supercharged issue uh, that everyone in the city is talking about: this sliced bagel tax. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, New York State has passed an eight-cent tax. If you get a bagel regular, a with dollar, a schmear, with a schmear, a but if you get it sliced, they add nine cents. Eight cents, nine cents. What? Good. How can that be? How can you add to what? slice a bagel? It's our state it, legislature. They can do anything. This is not you, the craziest thing they've done. But this is clearly a anti-Semitic. There's no argument about that. Who loves bagels more than us? And B, penalizing in a terrible way downstate uh, New York, upstate New York. The bagels, they think, what? The, the you probably bread. can't even get a bagel upstate. That's what I'm talking about! That's why they didn't tax them upstate. They only taxed them down here. Can you fight? Can you, should we... This is one of the causes I'm going to work on for the next three and a half years. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. It's one of the big things I'm taking on. It's tyranny, I tell you. It is. Uh, how are you handling I, uh, this, obviously, uh, the mosque, uh, the Islamic Community Center in, in downtown Manhattan? Uh, has caused an awful lot of uh, uh, forfuffle, uh, for lack of a better word. You have spoken out very eloquently uh, in favor of people being able to do what they're able to do on, on private property. Is that your feeling? Uh, when I went to school, I, we studied the Constitution. It says you have a right to say what you want to say, which means pray to whomever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. And it's just not the government's business to tell you what to say. I mean, you went on and on about Glenn Beck. He has a right to say anything he wants. That's what's great about America. And people say, well, in Saudi Arabia, you can't build a church. Yes, that's the difference between Saudi Arabia and America. And I just, it's plain and simple that I, whether you like a mosque or don't like a mosque, you don't have to go. There's already another mosque down there within four blocks of the World Trade Center. There's porno places. There's fast food places. I mean, it's a vibrant community. It's New York. I understand. Why, why did you have to look at me when you said porno places? Why did you, you know, you're going through, it was a very, I thought it was a very eloquent defense, and then suddenly you looked up like, Well, right? I just wanted to make it relevant to you. Because I was thinking, and again, I don't know if you're going to support this or not, I would like to build a, a synagogue reform in St. Patrick's Cathedral. I think if you talk to the archbishop, he might be amenable to that. He said that he wants to bring people together. He wants uh -huh. to find another place for the mosque. All right. Maybe he'd find another place for your temple. Did this take you off guard? Now, the sensitivities about that site, everyone knows. You know, the emotions run so hot. The families of victims, the, uh, the people that were uh, uh, traumatized throughout it. Everyone in New York, people in the country. How do you bridge that emotional gap? By how do you be sensitive to people who feel that site is uh, protected and yet still abide by. Well, number one, the New York Times wrote about this mosque uh, a year ago. Mm -hmm. Laura Ingram did a show about it or mentioned on one of her shows and said she was in favor of it. Mm -hmm. This mosque has been operating for over a year. There's nothing new here. The difference is we're in election season. And this whole issue, I think, will go away way right after the next election. This is plain and simple, people trying to stir up things to get publicity and trying to polarize people so that they can get some votes. And I don't think that most of these people who are yelling and screaming really care one way or another. 
The family members, they do care, and the family members that I've talked to, and I'm chairman of the board of the World Trade Center Memorial, 100% in favor of saying these people, if they want to build a mosque, can build a mosque. The, our, the lives of our loved ones were taken because the right to build a mosque or to say what you want to say was so threatening to, to people. My, my girlfriend and I were having dinner last week and this guy comes up to me and want to talk to you. A big hulking guy. I'm thinking, okay, I don't need this. Well, he's, but he's comparatively. Size. Right, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. <laughs> so you're saying like, he's like 5'9". Yeah, yeah. Right. And he said, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about the mosque. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to ruin my hamburger. I got hamburger and a pickle and a potato chip or something. And he said, uh, let me just tell you, I just got back from two tours fighting overseas for America. This is what we were all fighting for. You go and keep, keep at it. And that's, I think, the real answer. Impressive. I mean, unfortunately, I think, I think the difficulty always is, unfortunately, I'm sure there are veterans who fought over there who feel we shouldn't. I'm sure there are Absolutely. family members, maybe you haven't heard from them, who feel we shouldn't. Absolutely. It's very, unfortunately, you have to divorce emotion from, from principle to some extent, and that can't always be an easy job for an elected official. If you oh, were running for, for re-election, if you were running for re-election, would you feel that you were in a different position or would have to take I, a different position? I think position? I should speak out even more if I were running for re-election because I think the public wants people that, that what they want people to say, uh, candidates to do is say what they believe. They want people to be genuine, even if they don't agree with them. And I think, you know, saying one thing today and a different thing tomorrow is not exactly a great way to build a career, and certainly not good government. Yeah, it's, it's the, the way right now, when they're fanning the flames of, of the fear right now, it was first about the sensitivity of the spot. Now it's moved to, where's the financing coming from? Who are the people behind this operation? It, has that been a concern for New We would not ask that if somebody was trying to build a temple or a church. Plain and simple. Right. You don't want And illegality is illegality. If it's people on a terrorist list, they're on a terrorist list. Plain and simple. Whatever it is. Absolutely. Whether they want to build a mosque or a video arcade. Look, there are a lot of people who've said things that I don't agree with. But if I want to be able to say what I believe, I've got to let you say what you believe, even if I violently disagree with it, and even if I find it despicable. So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoy this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full-time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth 5 bucks a month or as little as $55, a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. Bloomberg, Mayor of New York, brilliant speech again last night unlike other politicians who are waffling and flip-flopping and run away from the mosque situation park 51 in new york bloomberg standing his ground and i love it let's go to clip number nine he's talking to uh... muslim leaders in new york here but if we say that a mosque or a community center should not be built near the perimeter of the world trade center site we would compromise our commitment to fighting terror with freedom 
We would undercut the values and principles that so many heroes died protecting. We would feed the false impressions that some Americans have about Muslims. We would send a signal around the world that Muslim Americans may be equal in the eyes of the law, but separate in the eyes of their countrymen. And we would hand a valuable propaganda tool to terrorist recruiters who spread the fallacy that America is at war with Islam. Islam did not attack the World Trade Center. Al-Qaeda did. To implicate all of Islam for the actions of a few who twisted a great religion is unfair and un-American. Today, we are not at war with Islam. We are at war with Al-Qaeda and other extremists who hate freedom. Look, here's the, among the reasons why I like Bloomberg. Yeah, he's a former Republican, he's an independent, etc. But that guy is strong, man. That's a politician who doesn't back down. He says, look, I didn't stutter. Yes, I'm in favor of it. And these are the American principles behind it. I'm going to give you another one here, clip number 10. The members of our military are men and women at arms, battling for hearts and minds. And their greatest weapon in that fight is the strength of our American values, which have already inspired people around the world. But if we don't practice those values here at home, if we don't practice what we preach abroad, if we don't lead by example, we undermine our soldiers, we undermine our foreign policy objectives, and we undermine our national security. Teach it. Preach it. I'm going again. Clip number 11. Now, I understand the impulse to find another location for the mosque and community center. I understand the pain of those who are motivated by loss too terrible to contemplate. And there are people of every faith, including perhaps some in this room, who are hoping that a compromise will end the debate. But it won't. The question will then become, how big should the no mosque zone be around the World Trade Center site? There's already a mosque four blocks away. Should it be moved? This is a test of our commitment to American values, and we have to have the courage of our convictions. We must do what is right, not what is easy. I love it. And there's a politician who does not back down, and that argument is irrefutable. I'm going to do one more. Clip number 12. Now, I know that many in this room are disturbed and dispirited by the debate. But it's worth keeping some perspective on the matter. The first colonial settlers came to these shores seeking religious liberty, and the Founding Fathers wrote a constitution that guaranteed it. They made sure that in this country, government would not be permitted to choose between religions or favor one over another. Nonetheless, it was not so long ago that Jews and Catholics had to overcome stereotypes and build bridges to those who viewed them with suspicion and less than fully American. You know what? Pointing out, look, we've been through this for Jews, Christians, everybody else, and America is better than this. We're going to get through this, and I am not backing down on this because it's what it means to be an American is what's at stake here. And it hurts our foreign policy if we back down on stuff like this. There's a politician who, who's got some guts, man. And it gives me hope uh, in, in a guy like Bloomberg. And he understands what the country's all about. I wish we had more politicians like that. Nicely done, Mike Bloomberg. And as I walk on Through troubled times My spirit gets
tonight with the president taking an unequivocal and impassioned stand. Uh, I will do everything that I can, uh, as long as I am president of the United States, to remind the American people uh, that uh, we are one nation under God. And we may call that God different names, uh, but we remain one nation. We are not at war against Islam. We are at war against terrorist organizations that have distorted Islam or falsely used the banner of Islam to engage in their destructive acts. And we've got to be clear about that. We've got to be clear about that because if we're going to successfully reduce the terrorist threat, then we need all the allies we can get. The, 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 the folks who are most interested in a war between the United States or the West and Islam are Al-Qaeda. That's what they've been banking on. We want to be clear about who the enemy is here. It's a handful, a tiny minority of people who are engaging in uh, horrific acts and have killed Muslims more than anybody else. The other reason it's important for us to remember that is because we've got millions of Muslim Americans, our fellow citizens in this country. They're going to school with our kids. They're our neighbors. They're our friends. They're our coworkers. And you know, when we start acting as if their religion is somehow offensive, what are we saying to them? I've got Muslims who are fighting in Afghanistan in the uniform of the United States Armed Services. They're out there putting their lives on the line for us. And we've got to make sure that we are crystal clear for our sakes and their sakes, they are America's. And we honor their service. And part of honoring their service is making sure that they understand that uh, we don't differentiate between them and us. It's just us. Uh, and, and, and that is, is a principle that I think is, is, uh, is going to be very important for us to, to sustain. And I think tomorrow uh, is an excellent time for us to, uh, to reflect on that. Thank you very much, everybody. Today was the president's first press conference since May, and it ended on that rather impassioned, rather pugnacious note. If some of that rhetoric sounds familiar, it may be in part because you've heard that sentiment before, from President Obama, sure, but you have also heard it from previous presidents. Most notably, you have heard similar sentiments from President Bush just after the attacks of 9-11. These acts 
and violence against innocents violate the fundamental tenets of the Islamic faith. And it's important for my fellow Americans to understand that. The enemy of America is not our many Muslim friends. It is not our many Arab friends. Americans understand we fight not a religion. Ours is not a campaign against the Muslim faith. Uh, our war is against evil, not against Islam. There are thousands of Muslims who proudly call themselves Americans. And they know what I know, that uh, the Muslim faith is based upon peace and love and compassion. The exact opposite of the teachings of the Al-Qaeda organization, which is based upon evil and hate and destruction. Strong parallels there between the words of President George W. Bush post 9-11 and the words of President Barack Obama in the first presidential administration after Bush's. But here's what's different right now about hearing our president now make essentially that same case that President Bush made after 9-11. Now, when you say, hey, we're not actually at war with Islam, now when you say that, it's not just a rhetorical point. Those statements now don't begin with an implied, we can all agree that. It's, it's no longer everybody knows that we're not at war with Islam. It's not that way anymore because now there is a significant part of the mainstream conservative movement in this country that contests that point. That says, no, 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 we are at war with Islam. We are. Saying we're not at war with Islam used to be a rhetorical flourish, almost a platitude. It is officially no longer a platitude because the context now for this president making that point about the country not being at war with Islam, the context for that now is a chorus of people on the right saying, oh yeah, we are. We should not allow Muslims to serve in the U.S. military and we have got to raise questions about whether we can afford to allow Muslims to immigrate into the United States at all. That's a man named Brian Fisher, um, a relatively fringe extremist American pastor emboldened by his own fantasies about holy war and how important they make him feel. Uh, who cares about a guy like Brian Fisher of the American Family Association? I mean, we have kooks galore in this country. Why care about him? The reason we care about him and his oh please let's have a holy war tripe is because Brian Fisher is also a man who will be sharing a stage. As Justin Elliott at Salon.com reports today, he will be sharing a stage with lots and lots and lots of mainstream conservatives next week. He is a featured speaker at something called the Values Voter Summit along with Mitt Romney, Mike Huckabee. Sean Hannity, Newt Gingrich, Senator Jim DeMint, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, Virginia's Governor Bob McDonnell. Guess he's over that whole, hey, now I'm a moderate thing. Uh, also presidential hopeful Mike Pence. All, all of those folks, all those relatively mainstream conservative folks speaking alongside a guy who not only says we are at war with Islam, but Muslims should not be allowed to serve in the United States military. If you are a Muslim and you want to move to this country, that should preclude you from being able to do so. Now, of course, a man like Brian Fisher is entitled to his own kook pinions. But at some point, is there any political accountability for people who are mainstreaming him by appearing with him at a political event? People who are running for president in 2012, in all likelihood, are appearing alongside the no more Muslims in America guy. The, there ought to be a religious test, and if you are Muslim, you ought to not be allowed to serve in the U.S. military guy. Are there any political consequences for mainstreaming and appearing alongside a guy doing that? 
When President Obama gets up and says, we are not at war with Islam, of course we are not at war with Islam. But that does not mean that there are not a whole lot of people in the mainstream of the right, mainstream of the right wing in this country who are trying to create the impression that we are. As we talked about on this show last night, Newt Gingrich has put together a hokey 9-11 exploitation movie to argue and convince us all that we are at war with Islam. And many of our elites are afraid to even identify our adversaries by name. What we used to call the war on terror, we are clearly losing. This war will go on until the whole of the world either embraces Islam or submits to Islamic rule. Newt Gingrich choosing the anniversary of 9-11 this year to launch his It's a War on Islam movie. But he's not the only one in the It's a War on Islam caucus. You may recall our earlier reporting on members of Congress this year convincing themselves that they had uncovered a vast Islamic conspiracy on the part of the Council on Islamic er, American Islamic Relations. The conspiracy was that this mainstream Washington pressure group was allowing Muslims, actual Muslims, to be interns. About a year ago, I learned that CARE was trying to infiltrate the offices of members of Congress by placing interns in the offices. Planning spies in key national security-related congressional offices. It is unnerving, to say the least, that uh, there would be members of groups uh, catalyzed by CARE coming into congressional offices to try to change our public policy. Yes, that was a real thing that really happened. Three actual members of Congress, Congresswoman Sue Myrick, Congressman Paul Brown, Congressman Trent Franks, a group of people who are actual members of the United States Congress, publicly demanding that the House Sergeant at Arms investigate the crime of being an intern while also being a Muslim. It sounds like all-American rhetoric when a president, any president, makes the case that Muslim Americans are Americans too, that we are at war with terrorists. We're not at war with Islam. That religious freedom wasn't just a founding principle of this country. It is a living principle of this country. It sounds like Americana, political rhetoric. But at some point, the politics surrounding this issue are probably going to have to change to reflect the fact that what President Obama is saying about religion now, the same thing President Bush said about religion after 9-11, is no longer a consensus statement of what we all believe in America, or even of what we all in mainstream politics believe here in America. There is a hard, focused campaign on the relatively mainstream right in this country to make those self-evident truths seem false. When we last left you, there was still some uncertainty as to how uh, Americans would be reflecting on the ninth anniversary of 9-11. Uh, well, specifically, how one American out of 350 million or so. <laughs> Terry Jones, pastor of Gainesville's Dove World Outreach Center and president of Gainesville's we Upper Lip Hair Club for Men. <laughs> how he would be observing that day. Will he burn the Quran with his followers? Why is it that Muslims are in such an uproar about burning the Quran? Just how kooky is this guy? Is he going to start burning the Torah next? Ah! No! No! Torah! Burn 
if you're wondering why only my hands uh, turn when I get angry. It's kind of a sad story. As a teenager, I was exposed to gamma rays in a military test facility uh, while masturbating. And ladies, yes, the gloves match the drapes. Did Yosemite Jones burn the Koran like you promised? We feel that God is, is telling us to stop. Oh, really? God's telling you to stop. Um, when God told you to do it originally, he hadn't anticipated the backlash? Is that it? God never saw that one coming? Is that what you're saying? I think you might be confusing God with everybody else in the world telling you to stop. Because, let me ask you this, when God told you not to burn the Koran, did it, did it sound something like this? Don't be a f***ing idiot, dude! Because that's not God, that's everybody. That was not the only Koran burning to fall through, by the way. For more, we go to Jennifer Shaver at our Amarillo affiliate, KT's... A planned public burning of the Quran did not take place today in an Amarillo City Park. David Grisham, the leader of an area radical Christian group, attempted to publicly set fire to the Islamic holy book. Snuck up behind him and took his Quran. He said something about burning the Quran. I was like, dude, you have no Quran. And the Quran burner was all bummer, and I was all. Next thing you know, I'm in the back of the mystery machine and Fred and Velma are jamming Scooby snacks down my gullet. Like, wow, Scoob! Of course, the media was very circumspect about whether or not they should even be covering these provocative acts perpetrated by propagandizing pyromaniac proselytizers. Perhaps they shouldn't. But this next clip exemplifies how often the media's better angels get the kicked out of them. This guy is clown of the earth. And we shouldn't be having a conversation about what he is or he isn't going to do. I mean, we can't address all these whack jobs throughout the country. And but there's a second side of this, Chris. That's really important. The rest Cenk, of the world, gonna, the Muslim I've gotta, world. I've got to interrupt you because here's the pastor. Um, Let's hear what he has again to say. And the winner and still undefeated champion in the battle between the media's super ego and id is id. <laughs> Poor media, they, they, they can't help themselves. They're not bad people. You know what the media is? They're the dog from the movie Up. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! <laughs> That's what they are. You're right. You're right. We should not... We should not be following Pastor Jones. Pastor Jones! <laughs> Of course, while the media focused their questions on Pastor Jones, Fox News's squirrel continued to be Imam Ralph and his Lower Manhattan. This imam will not condemn the terrorist group Hamas. Who's financing this very expensive mosque? Is this imam radical? Why does it have to be so close? Is it provocation? Is it celebration? And with such a big planet, why there? Yes, with such a big planet, why there? You know, 
with such a big galaxy, why this planet? <laughs> why can't the Imam make it a galactic community center of death, death, death? I was probably supposed to get some reverb. Death! No, nothing? All right. All right, Imam, answer the questions. You will list uh, whoever is giving you money. Yes. Will you turn down money from people who say give money to Hamas? Absolutely. Is the State Department right in saying that Hamas is a, a terrorist organization? I condemn everyone and anyone who commits acts of terrorism. And Hamas has committed acts of terrorism. All right, not bad. That's not bad. All right. You answered some of the questions, but there's still one question you refuse to answer. Why on this planet? Had I known this would happen, we certainly would never have done this. If we moved from that location, the story will be that the radicals have taken over the discourse. The headlines in the Muslim world will be that Islam is under attack. The concern for American citizens who live and work and travel overseas will increasingly be compromised if the radicals uh, uh, are strengthened. But if we don't do this right, anger will explode in the Muslim world. Oh, Imam Ralph, you think you're so reasonable <laughs> with your smoky voice and lickable beard. <laughs> of course, some may think you're putting too much credence in our responsibility to control the reaction of radicals. And of course, others may just hear this. Is this a threat? Here is a threat he made yesterday. It sounds to me like a warning. Is that a threat, Laura? Is that a threat? Uh, it's, a, it's a veiled threat. And I don't think it's any mistake that he used the word explode. <laughs> Imam Ralph answered every single one of their questions. But unfortunately, here's what they heard at Fox. Squirrel! <laughs> Even America's former mayor, Rudy Giuliani, even Rudy Giuliani saw squirrels. Now, we have the imam who tells us if he doesn't get his way, there could be a significant and very dangerous uh, violence. The, those are very, very um, strong words. And to enter a sort of a suggestion of a threat into this, uh, I worry about this as the kind of tactics he, he pursues. He's appalled. To use a cheap cudgel of fear as a way to expedite your desired outcome. That is so a few years ago. It's absolutely essential that uh, eight weeks from today on November 2nd, we make the right choice. Because if we make the wrong choice, then the danger is that, um, that uh, we'll get hit again. Barack and Hillary have made their intentions clear regarding Iraq and the war on terror. They would retreat, declare defeat, and the consequence of that would be devastating. It would mean a tax on America. How dangerous will it be if a Democrat gets elected? Well, I, worst thing you can do is show them weakness. Yeah. And you put yourself in graver danger if you show them weakness. I believe that puts us in greater danger. See, that's not a threat. That's not a threat if you don't vote Republican, we'll be attacked by terrorists. Those are helpful warming warnings that have protected our country from existential danger. You know, sometimes I just get so sad watching these clips that You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at bestoftheleft.com. 
You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for, or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part, but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. Michael Enright, he's a 21-year-old guy um, that uh, was in New York, got in a cab, uh, asked the cab driver who's Muslim. In the beginning, seemed to be having a friendly conversation, and when uh, the Mus uh, when the driver said yes, I am in fact Muslim, he uh, stabbed him. He stabbed him in the neck and the face. Uh, we actually have uh, some clips from the uh, driver here uh, that we can show you. Let's let's see his side of the story. I saw the knife coming to my neck right here. Then I moved a little bit, then this horse came here. It's very deep, it almost got my bone in there. All That's, right. Um, uh, Ahmed uh, Sharif. It is Ahmed Sharif. He shows Ahmed you where, Sharif, uh, where his uh, scars are, where he got stabbed. Obviously, we got one more from him. Let's watch. Once I see his face, he's so much anger and mad on me. I don't know, and hate. He, he had to kill me. I, I over and over asked him, please don't kill me. Why you have to kill me? What I did? And of course, Ahmed didn't do a damn thing. And so the uh, guy who attacked him, Michael Wright, apparently said, Assalamu alaikum, Assalamu alaikum, this is your checkpoint, right? Now, ironically, Assalamu alaikum means peace be with you. Yeah. Well, that's not really how things uh, you went down. One would think since uh, 2001 that most Americans had learned that. So now we find out that Michael Enright uh, worked for Intersections International, and that's actually a group that promotes interfaith dialogue, which is good. <laughs> and he actually cared a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder. Wound up going to Afghanistan and uh, you know trying to find out what soldiers were going through, etc. It looks it, like the uh, Craigslist killer. Yeah, a little bit, a little, little bit, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, late Craigslist killer. Yeah. So now, apparently, the Intersections International supports the plan for an Islamic center and mosque at Park 51, right? So now conservative blogs have uh, taken this and run with it. They're like, aha! You see that? They thought it was conservatives and that we had riled people up. Turns out the guy's a liberal. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> Here's who doesn't stab Muslims in the neck liberals. <laughs> Okay, yeah. and you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, oh, liberals, they love those Muslims. They don't understand we're a Judeo-Christian country. And yeah, they stab Muslims in the neck. Yeah, what, um, I mean, I, I got it. It's, uh, and you can't, uh, you know, you can't just say all conservatives don't, don't go around stabbing Muslims. No, of course fact, not. I hope not. Jesus, we have a bloody fact, country. None do. Right. And this guy was drunk, and as the police decided afterwards when they arrested him, they described him as a disturbed person. Yes, he yeah. was definitely disturbed. Yeah. Look, look, you know, some now are speculating that he have post-traumatic stress disorder, etc. To me, in my he mind... He was shooting a video, a movie in Iraq. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in Afghanistan. In, in Afghanistan, right. And I'm not saying that wouldn't give it to you, but I mean, he went over there and he, he you know, he, he, yeah, he, got, he got very angry. He didn't like the way Afghans were not appreciative of the foreign troops on their soil. <laughs> oh, is that right? I he didn't, hadn't yeah, read that. He didn't like that, uh -huh. and I'm obviously praising it in a way that suits our purposes. <laughs> he didn't like the fact that Afghans were not appreciative that Americans were there, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, ostensibly for them. 
Yeah. Uh, this sounds like Sean Hannity. What part of this guy is liberal, by the way? Anyway, uh, Sean Hannity's like, we invaded Iraq for them. Yeah. And they still have not thanked us. Right. <laughs> okay. well, yeah, they, ingrates. No, but they have thanked us. They were throwing... Uh, Flowers at our feet. They were throwing roses at our feet. Remember? Yeah, that's that's Thank what the administration claimed, and then they wound up throwing a lot of things at us, including a shoe <laughs> at one point. Uh, so now th that's uh, part of the violence that has now begun. But that's not the only story across the country. Yesterday we told you about uh, a grocery store clerk who was uh, just in that story verbally accosted. Muslims are terrorists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You've heard it all before. Now there's uh, an attack in Queens. A guy walks into a mosque, uh, starts screaming, you're all terrorists, and then starts urinating on their prayer rugs. Mm. Now, as the guy at the mosque said there, he's like, well, there's some irony in a guy coming in and terrorizing our mosque. We're all scared. We don't know what this guy's going to do. We heard about the stabbing, right? And then he starts, you know, urinating all over our mosque, and he's calling us terrorists. Yeah. Right? So that happened in Queens. I'm just going to guess that the similarity there between Michael Enright um, and the uh, urinator, uh, that there may have been uh, alcohol involved for both of them, and I'm going to guess perhaps both of them are disturbed persons. Let me tell you about another attack on a mosque. This is in Madeira in California. Um, he, uh, Imam Abdullah Salam uh, arrived at the Madeira Islamic Center, I should say, not a mosque, on Tuesday. And uh, he found a couple of signs. One said, wake up, America, the enemy is here. Mm -hmm. And then um, on Sunday, a brick nearly smashed a window at the center uh, on Road 26, apparently. And another sign left on the property read, quote, no temple for the god of terrorism. Mm. Okay. So people are getting riled up, yeah. right? Mm. Whether it's th these guys who we th think are part of a group called the American Nationalist Brotherhood. By the way, they didn't even know to capitalize God. Yeah, well, that, that God doesn't deserve it. Oh, because he's, he's the God of terrorism. terrorism. Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry. Okay. My bad. Uh, and and skies are getting stabbed. People, you know, moths are getting peed. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is so. This getting out of hand. No, you're right. This is the time to bring it back, right? Right. But we're, instead, we're, they're going to double down. It's the time of responsible people would uh, would bring it back because they would say the same thing. They would say, "Hey, look, building a mosque here is insulting. Okay, it's insulting. It shows no respect to the victims of 9/11. An argument I obviously don't buy, but." If you are making that argument, that's what you would say. And then you would say, it's insulting. But that's our argument. Everybody calm down. Muslims aren't bad. I don't think the mosque should be here. I think it should go somewhere else. But not here. But stop stabbing people. You know, or, you know, don't, don't listen to this rhetoric and get exercised. But that said, I, I think we should try to avoid being uh, sidetracked because it takes the conversation in a direction that I think drives people away from focusing on the real issue because people hear that and they're like, oh, here comes another conversation where everybody's blame everybody wants to, to sort of use a obviously single tragic event for their own political purposes. Hi, Jay. My name is Lauren, and I'm calling from Rockford, Illinois. I'm calling because on the 912 show, you asked us to predict what was going to happen in the election, and you asked us to think of, you know, something other than the usual line. Well, I think, unfortunately, that the Democrats are going to take serious losses, but I don't think it's for the usual line. 
I think it's because the reason that the Democrats won and President Obama won in uh, 2008 was because um, he reached out to and energized a lot of new voters. Okay? Well, in the two years since then, he and the Democrats have not continued to invest in those voters and make the case as to why they should continue to be political. And uh, the Democrats just haven't done that. I think they just assumed that when they got new people on the rolls in 2008, that those people would automatically become voters and that they would automatically continue to vote. But I just don't think that the Democrats or the president have um, nurtured that new base. And I think that they're going to fall short. Jay, this is Dave from Olympia, Washington. Uh, listening to the September 26th episode, um, the Ring of Fire segment really got under my skin. So uh, you're not responsible for it, uh, but I just got a call to rant. The contention that because the Republicans are accusing Obama of being a socialist, therefore progressives shouldn't demand progressive policies out of our democratic and democratically elected president is frankly ridiculous. The, the idea that we should unquestioningly support our leader in this time is straight out of the strength of the Republican playbook. He is not a crazy man. He is working for change and is doing things. But especially in this political climate, you need a fighter. You need a leader. There's a time and a place for incrementalism. And it can work in some instances. But for one example, the fight over health care, the lack of passion and leadership out of the out of the White House was shocking. It was truly disappointing. Um, the fact that the Roberts court moved hard to the right doesn't take away from the fact that adding Sotomayor moves the court to the right. Not as dramatically and not as tragically, but it is still a move to the right. And it is legitimate for progressives to complain about that kind of thing. Now, I voted for the man. I will vote for the man again. I will campaign for the man. I am campaigning now for our state representative, who I criticize on policy issues all the time. But there's a difference between calling people out on policies that are wrong and saying there's a better path and not supporting them. And I, I think that the Ring of Fire segment totally missed the point of the difference between supporting the best candidate that you can get elected and demanding that that candidate represent your values and fight for a progressive America. Anyhow, thanks for the show, Jay. I love it, and best of luck. Thanks for listening, everyone. And of course, thanks to everyone who wanted to call into the voicemail line, leave a message to be played on the show. If you would like to leave a message with a comment, question, or call to action, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. I especially want to thank Dave from Olympia who called in with his comments about the uh, the segment from Ring of Fire. Uh, I will say this about that. I tend to agree. Now, the news from today's show, you may have noticed uh, there's a new sponsor for the show. Uh, everybody calm down. I hope to make it as painless as possible uh you know he, the, the basic breakdown is you know the, the members have absolutely uh you know members and donors make this show possible i'm able to survive and produce this show for you guys the next goal is uh health insurance 
I, you know, I used to have health insurance when I had a real job. I don't anymore. So uh, before you decide to uh, rant and rave about uh, ads being added to the show, just keep that in mind. Speaking of members, of course, you guys are still head, shoulders, torso, far and away, above and beyond the absolute backbone of this show. And I want to thank a couple of you today. Raymond K signed up for a monthly membership back on May 2nd and has stuck with the show since then, helping uh, you know with a donation each month. And Joshua L signed up for a membership on uh, August 26th and went ahead and signed up for a full year in advance. And uh, I'd like to mention he went above and beyond the, the standard membership rate just to help out the show a little bit more. So you know, just can't thank you guys enough for uh, for all the help and uh, and of course all of the members and donors make the show possible. Of course, as always, everyone can help support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. Word of mouth is a huge, huge deal for small independent shows like this. So tell everyone you know, spread the word, stay connected to the show and spread the word online, of course, by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and then go and get all the details about the show, whatever you need, including links to sources and music used in this and every episode. All of that is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thought lines black and white, you took apart a picture that wasn't right.